radioinfluence.com You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Crush Performance, we continue our Creating Coachable Player series with a conversation surrounding the art of coaching, and I am so glad you're here. If you're an athlete or player, this is an incredibly important discussion. You need to understand your coaches. You need to understand how they operate, and you need to understand what good coaching looks like and what it sounds like. As athletes and players, you also need to know what bad coaching looks and sounds like. And you need to be able to operate to the best of your ability in either of these situations. You also need to understand how to be coachable. Today's conversation will help you get into that side of the game. And it's all important. It's a skill just like anything else that you can really develop over time. I've worked with athletes and players who've been labeled uncoachable or written off simply because they would not or could not make adjustments. Part of this sometimes is the player thinking they know best. You usually see this at the professional level. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's fear, the fear of uncertainty or of change. I mean, they get to the top by doing this certain thing or that certain thing. Why would they change now? But even at the highest levels of the game, you need to consistently be looking for ways to get better. Leave no stone unturned. You have to stay coachable. So to all of our professional athletes and players, listen to everyone. It doesn't mean you have to act on it, but listen and maybe even give it a try here or there. If you clearly understand what you need to be doing to maintain or improve performance, I mean, that's just problem solving. I think the biggest mistake here is thinking you're good enough already. That just doesn't fly at the pro levels of sport and certainly not at the developmental levels. And it's here at the developmental levels of sport where other factors can explain why an athlete or player just simply isn't coachable. Maybe they don't really understand how to be coached yet or more likely they're just not ready to be coached and not by choice but rather because they don't yet have the tools or the actual ability to be coached physically, mentally, or emotionally. This is where the true art of coaching comes in. And another reason why today's conversation is so important because we don't normally address this stuff. If an athlete can't execute, can't progress, can't be coached, ah, we let them ride the pine or sit them out or red shirt them until they're ready rather than helping them work through the process. And I can't help but wonder how many great young potential athletes and players we lose because of this. And there's yet another piece to this puzzle, the coaches themselves. Could it be the coaches not being able to or knowing how to coach a player? If you go back to an episode we had with Dr. Alex Roberts from a couple years back, we discussed this incredible thing called coaching bias. Another important conversation every athlete, coach, and parent should be aware of. 
Sometimes coaches unknowingly gravitate, select, and prefer athletes and players they know they can help. A coach might have an area of expertise in a certain part of the sport. And when there's players that are struggling there or showing promise there, a coach can actually gravitate towards those types of players because they know they can help them. Now, this is not malicious in any way, shape, or form. Most times, coaches don't even know it's happening. But we see it in the process of talent ID, in team selection, and also in player favoritism on a team. Coaches gravitate to players with the greatest of intentions. They gravitate towards players they know they can help, leaving the others to fend for themselves in the great wilderness that is developmental and performance sport. Regardless of your situation, Athletes, you need to be aware of all of this so you can take full advantage of the time you had. So I'm very, very glad you're listening today. And then for the coaches, I'm also glad you're here because today we're going to dive into the art of coaching. It's a process that takes time and experience. There are certain tricks to the trade and there are bedrock fundamentals also that must be addressed if we're truly going to help our players perform, develop, and learn. And with that, we also have to be aware that coaching at different levels of sport can require different skill sets. And this runs in parallel with our athlete timelines and long-term development as our athletes pass through the phases of development, as they mature, as they grow, and they master their skills. The coaching skill set also has to grow and mature and match those skills. So it's an ongoing developmental process just as if we're developing our athletes, we need to develop our coaching styles. And that'll be one of the themes of today's conversation. And then finally, for parents, I'm also incredibly glad you're here because you need to understand all of this as well so you can help support and guide your athlete through the developmental process. So today, to help us with all of this, we talk with Dave Turgeon, head coach of the IMG Academy's national baseball team. It's an elite high school program who just finished an incredible season. They went 25-0, which let's face it, is an amazing feat at any level of sport, in any sport. Dave came up in the New York Yankees system, played overseas, and then spent 11 years managing and being the coordinator of instruction for the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, where he not only coached the players, but he actually coached the coaches, which is a very, very cool role to play. Today, we're going to tap into his knowledge and his approach for player development and player learning and get an idea of what it takes to go undefeated in a season. I cannot wait for this conversation. I've been around Dave. I've worked with Dave and I've seen him transform players, teams and organizations. This will be a jam packed conversation. And again, it doesn't really matter if you're a baseball coach or not. You know, one of the things that I find in professional sport, you know, when I was with the Blue Jays, for example, we were always looking outside of baseball to find an edge, to find what's new, to get something that would help us elevate our performance. We looked a lot to the military. We talked to the guys in the NBA. We certainly looked to European soccer. I also know that NHL teams were coming to us. The NBA teams were coming to us. Isn't it funny when the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence? Here's the thing about it. There are common fundamentals around human development, and that's what we're going to get to today. So it doesn't matter whether you are a parent, whether you're an athlete, or whether you're in a, co a coach of any sport, 
Today's conversation, I promise you, will have relevance and hopefully help you take your game to the next level. But before we get to Dave, I want to address a couple of messages that have come in over this last week. First off, a number of messages regarding last week's show, all with a similar theme, so I'm going to answer it right now. No, I did not record that at the wrong speed. (laughs) But yes, okay, I was fast talking and I get it, man. I listened back and it's like I didn't take a breath. I'll tell you what, if you guys have heard me present live or seen me on TV or heard me get interviewed by somebody else, I do tend to talk fast. I try to discipline myself here. Maybe I'm out of practice, just getting back into the show now after our long layoff, but I'm conscious of it. I appreciate the feedback as well. I totally get it. Uh, But man, I tell you, I was fired up talking injury prevention last week and that incredible conversation with TD was important. Getting the perspective of the pros and TD is a pros pro when it comes to player health in professional sport with the NHL and that incredibly demanding sport. Uh, It was so much fun. So I'm going to put into practice what we preach here right on the show. The three-step performance model that we teach to all of our players. Approach, result, response. We had an approach last week. We were fired up to talk about injury prevention in sport to help keep everybody safe in the game and performing at their very best. We got a result, okay? I was fast talking, no question. And just like everywhere else in sport and just like we teach our athletes, it's how we respond that is really the most important part of the process because how we respond to what happened, whether it's an at-bat, a shift, a quarter, a game, a series, whatever it might be in sport, how we respond determines our next approach. So today's approach, I'm going to respond by paying close attention to the cadence of our conversation. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to get fired up. I might talk quickly. Send me another note. Remind me. It's a team effort after all, right? I think that's the beautiful thing about the show and us working together, uh, whether it's, you know, bringing new ideas to the table or helping each other get better. So thanks for all of the feedback. No, I'm not a big coffee drinker, (laughs) but I also get why you might think that after listening back to last week's show. All right. So, so thanks for that. And then there's one other message that I did want to address here on the air. And thanks again for all of the emails and direct messages. We answer every single message we get, by the way, no matter where it comes from. But I do pick some to discuss on the air because there might be a lot of people with similar questions. Or you guys just might get me thinking about something that I haven't thought about or really focused on for a while. And that's part of the mandate of the show is to get people thinking about things they might not have thought about before. So John, you did exactly that for me. John wrote in, crush. I really like the, are you coachable episode? There is so much that needs to go into player development. It's almost overwhelming. John says, I'm just a volunteer dad, but I'm appreciating the long-term development approach you're always talking about. I coach my son's hockey and football teams. He is 13 right now. And over the years, I've seen firsthand how the kids have grown and developed at different speeds. I'm now more aware of why some of the kids catch up so quickly and learn so quickly. And some need more time. It's changed the way I coach. Wanted to say thanks. Okay, John, well, thank you for that note. 
You know, in that episode, I spoke a lot about physical maturity and physical development and how that impacts a player's coachability. When players physically just can't do something the coach needs them to do to be successful in sport. It's a big, big issue. And it's not limited to developmental sport or the youth levels. I mean, we see these kinds of issues at the pro level as well. And we just help the guys problem solve through all this stuff to help make them better. You know, it might be a footwork pattern. It might be spatial awareness. It might be vision. It could be nutrition or something uh, on the strength and conditioning side, the athlete side. It might be a technical part of their game. Bat speed, foot speed, turnover, uh, running a pattern, change of direction, running backwards. There are so many things that we can do to help an athlete at any level get better. But if the athlete physically can't do it, we just have to break it down, understand it, and then train the athlete so they can build their way up to executing the technical skill that will help them be better in sport. Whether it's strength, whether it's speed, balance, joint integrity, it might be agility and movement skills, interacting with the ground, it might be pure power. There are so many variables involved and this is why we have to get back again to our problem solving conversation that we're constantly having on the show here. In order to solve a problem, you have to clearly define that problem. And once that problem's clearly defined, well, heck, it's already partially solved because that's when we ask our question, why not? Just like we talked about in that episode, our number one question is not why we do something, it's why the hell not? Why can't we do that? And when we figure that out, we work our way through the process to make it happen. That right there is creating coachable players. And it's never this straight linear path of development. It's a freaking minefield out there. It is a crazy chaotic world, especially at the developmental levels of sport where compounding the challenges are the growth and development of the athlete, the changing bodies, the long bone growth, coordination issues. We all need to be aware of these phases. Take John's son, for example, 13 years old, playing hockey and football in opposing seasons. That 13-year-old, John's son, is right in the wheelhouse here. So we have to pay close attention to that stuff, John. Heads up right there. And then finally, in that episode, I also spoke briefly about talent and talent ID and labeling players as talented and how it can backfire on us big time. The one thing we need to discuss more is the emotional side of development. Maturity is a factor for sure, both physical and mental maturity. But those other things, those things that have been sort of labeled as intangibles, those things that we feel are naturally gifted traits of successful athletes and successful people, those things like confidence and hardiness, resilience, approach, uh, the ability to accept critique, all of this stuff is coachable. But we don't typically coach it. And truthfully, it can be more important than any technical, tactical, drill or exercise will ever do. I love this. In fact, how about this? Let's do an entire episode on this topic. How about we call it something like um, um, coaching, coaching the intangibles. You know, we'll talk about all those things that we've collectively in the past labeled as those, you know, kind of natural abilities where we find ourselves saying, well, either he has it or he doesn't have it. Or either she learns this stuff on her own or she's going to have a tough time having any success. You hear this stuff all the time. It's hogwash. All of these things that have historically been labeled intangible are so trainable 
It's crazy, and it's never too late. These things are so important at every level of the game, and I mean it right to the top. So let's do an entire episode on this. I love it. We're going to call it Coaching the Intangible. Stay tuned for that. I'm going to start working on it right now. John, listen, thanks for your note. You might have created a monster here, right? A very good monster, by the way. Okay, here we go. Our Creating Coachable Players conversation with Dave Turgeon, head coach for IMG's national baseball team. It's an elite high school program that just finished their season 25-0. and 0. All right, we're here with our good friend Dave Turgeon who is the head coach of the IMG national team in baseball. Turge, so great to have you on. And this is our first Crush video recording. So this is kind of a historic day, man. I'm so glad we could line it up. Love it. I'm loving it, man. It's great to see you, Chris. Yeah, you as well. Hey, so listen, first off, first and foremost, congratulations on an epic epic season there uh you guys 25 and 0 yep. at the end of the season look i don't care what level of sport you're playing to go undefeated what an amazing feat uh turge you must have an incredible group of young men there uh learning and playing the game i just i can't wait to hear more about this process you guys went through so you know we've all and probably most of the folks listening have been a part of teams and um, you know, some more successful than others. And, you know, to, to have a season like this, there's got to have, you got to have a lot of stuff going your way. Um, but the bottom line on any successful season is I just found that I think it boils down to how close the room gets. And so the whole team thing and the whole synergy thing, which I, I put a premium on that because I know it's the number one performance enhancer there is besides confidence. Um, I think that team synergy um, has a way of allowing guys skills, whatever they may be, to play up. Um, and I think once you get it rolling and there's this buy-in, it feeds itself and, and it's really hard to stop, you know. And so we had a combination of, man, an unbelievable staff and the care level through the roof. Um, our support staff was fantastic. Um, you know, and, and the guys that bought in and they bought into showing up for work every day and working with a purpose, you know, and, and earning the right to have a good year, earning the right to win games, earning the right to perform all of that stuff is it's all connected. Um, you know, and it takes, you know, I, our messaging was simple. It's going to take all of, all of us. And, and it does, it literally does. Um, and we had different heroes along the way, you know, sometimes the hero was our trainer. Um, but you know, just really, it literally takes a village. So, you know, and again, you, you know, we're talking about, you know, it's a high school season, it's 25 games. It is a sprint. Um, and because of the schedule we play and our, our brand, I, we play the toughest schedule in the country. So it's 25 game sevens to whoever you're playing. And so that really, I think that is a great inspiration to show up for work every day. Just know there's a bullseye in your chest and 
you can get beaten if you don't show up any day of the week. And that's at every level. You see it. You see it at the, in the regionals. You see it in the super regionals in college. You see it on, on television. Um, if you don't show up, it's really hard. And so the challenge is to get, you know, their minds and hearts and heads to show up every day. That's a great challenge. Yeah. So it takes a lot of help and support to do that. Yeah. And that's one, something that I think is really important, Turge. And I know you and I've worked with you in the past and, and it's been fun to sort of follow you guys as this came together. You came from the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates organization, Pro Ball, into this incredible environment. How has that changed for you, Turge? I mean, I know that's a that's a big thing. You know, everybody's enamored with professional baseball. I yeah, I really love working with the high school guys, academy players. It's just, it's a real special it's a real special level of the game. I've always felt. Yeah, I think I think you got to be better at this level in a couple ways. I think the first thing is, and and you've heard me talk about um, soundtracks before, right? So, um, what whatever you know, energy you're bringing, uh, into a room, into a conversation, you know, self-awareness, which if you have the wrong energy, then the message not received. If you have the right energy, in other words, if you're, if you're there with them and they feel good and comfortable and we'll get into being coachable later, but it's, it's a big deal. The second piece of this thing that I think that this level has made me better at is having a deeper knowledge of the game. Um, to, to be able to kind of go backwards, even on a deeper, more simple level, isn't always that easy. Right. And so you have to have, besides range, you got to have some depth and an understanding of taking things backwards and, and making it edible for a guy. And, and, and it's, it's, I think the beauty of good coaching is the simplicity of it. And then the timing of it, of what they need at that time. And it's not being, you know, vomited on with information. Um, it's not, you know, a coach trying to gain credibility with a guy or what he's saying. You're, you're there to help him there to perform, number one. And, and obviously, I mean, we're, we're holistically developing our guys to be better people and, and be, you know, more equipped for their next place, whatever that is, you know, because most of these guys aren't going to be in the major leagues and, you know, they're going to go on, maybe, you know, play college baseball and hopefully have success in a career. But there's a ton of soft skill development along the way of this, too. And, you know, and that honestly, I mean, that's going to help performance, not just on the field, but it'll help wherever they're at. Yeah. Right. And so so those two big pieces for me are are unbelievable. I've I've had to make a ton of adjustments, um, you know, being at this level, but it's made me a better coach. Interesting, Turge. Um, you know, there's a word that gets thrown around quite often, and I'm not sure people really understand it. And I don't know if there's a there's I don't know if there's a, a succinct definition for it, but this whole thing called culture, it sounds to me <laughs> you're creating yeah. an incredible culture. There, a culture of expectation, a culture of accountability. And to be clear, yeah. these are high school players coming from all over the place to play 25 incredibly pressure cooking, important games. Wow, man. That's all I can say. So, I mean, culture is, you know, obviously there's a lot of under that umbrella, right. And you've, you've been a, you've been a part of, of culture building. Um, 
And so once you, I think, and, it, and there's a lot of classroom stuff, you know, where, you know, you to help them understand well, what does a good teammate look like? You know, what is, okay, what does right look like? What is, what does wrong look like? Okay. Uh, so there's a, there's an awareness and then hold them to it. And there, there's your standards. And then, um, you know, what does uh, championship behavior look like? Mm. Right. And that could come Love from, it. you know, taking care of, you know, the weight room, nutrition, uh, academics, personal relationship, you know, championship behaviors go beyond X's and O's. Right. And it's always about the process. Um, but when you, when you talk about, Oh, we want to go undefeated or, or that's a goal. That's great. How are you going to do that? Well, you know, it, it, it becomes the process. Right. And so to help guys fall in love with that process, um, and going back to, you know, showing them how to work, showing them how to respect the game, showing them how to respect each other. You know, all of that stuff is part of the process and it's daily. Um, and it's catching them doing good all the time and rewarding that and holding them accountable when it's not looking good. Right. Until you get those championship behaviors and it always plays out in performance. Church, I, I love this, you know, and you mentioned something there that I think, well, caught my ear anyway, because this is something I think is really, really important. This whole concept of goals and objectives, right? And you said something here. I have to ask you now, um, you said, you know, going undefeated as a goal. Was undefeated a goal at the start or was your goal more more um, process orientated? Because uh you know, a goal of going undefeated. I mean, that is a lofty, <laughs> lofty goal, right? So was that the goal at the start or was that just how that was, or was that the result of the process you guys got into? And so when, when we go through the, the, you know, the preseason and, and we bring about, you know, what, what are the, what are our team goals and, and all of this stuff? And, you know, the undefeated season gets bandied about it. It's never happened, Right. And so I said, well, listen, you know, anything's possible, you know, it's certainly possible and it's really hard. I said, you know, if that's what you want, um, well, I have a plan. And so <laughs> you go into it and when you start breaking the plan down to, you know, I really don't care about Wednesday's game. We have a game on Monday and we have to prepare for that game to earn the right to win the first inning on Monday and I break it down into edible pieces for them. Right. And, you know, we have, you know, yeah, we want to score first, want to take care of the baseball. We want to uh, situationally be maniacs. You know, we want to pound the strike zone, control the counts. Um, you know, we want to run, you know, two base advances, dirt ball maniac. Yeah. So the, the, you know, we have the, uh, the, the recipes there and then you train them and, and so, but it's really, it's, it's about winning the day. It's about winning every day and winning the, you know, our training that day. And is it, is it championship level or was, you know, what, what do you, what do you guys have now that we're reviewing, you know, our, our, our day. And so prepare, execute, review is, is the, is the process. And so part of getting them to understand and love the process, I think, you know, when you, and then at the same time, we're developing that team synergy, right? And so you get these guys to understand how they have that purposeful work really will give them more skills 
that will play up in the fire because good training holds up in the fire. Um, you know, and you're going to win more than you lose, right? If you show up and you do these things repetitively. And so we have, you know, Kaizen's a huge concept. You know, yes. I've always loved Kaizen, yep. right? And so, you know, players, athletes, there's this perfection, you know, they're so per, pursuing the perfection thing. I mean, if you're doing what you're going to do in baseball, you're chasing unicorns, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you're disappointed every day. And so with the process of, of focusing on improvement, okay, we can control that. Um, it, it, it's measurable and, and, and it ends up, uh, you know, if we do our process, um, guys have a tendency to perform. Right. You know, and it, it, it just it's just the way it is. And it's not just working. It's working with purpose. And so it's constant messaging and constantly catching them, doing it um, and rewarding it. So when we when we do, we have a Kaizen player of the week. Right. And we give them a, we hand out a T-shirt to that player who's exhibited championship behaviors, uh, has done purposeful work, has been a great teammate. Right. And it's never about the performance piece. And so what ends up happening is, you know, the guys that do those things have a tendency to really perform. And, and so they end up falling in love with the process. They realize that this is why I'm having success right now. Right. And, and then, you know, and then the other guys are like, Oh, you know, I want that, you know, and, and it just, it feeds itself. It's a cool thing to watch. Um, it, simple thing of earning a t-shirt that says respect the rep on it. Right. right. They earned that. Right. They earn that and, and, and they earn the right to perform and they earn the right to have confidence. They earn the right to perform and win games. So it, it's not just this thing where, you know, I hope, you know, hope we go 25 and oh, you know, and it, it, it's just not how it works, you know, right. and, and there's got to be, you've got to be reasonably healthy. You've got to have buy-in. Um, you got to have guys showing up and working uh, when they don't want right. um, accountability you know, all of the, you got some lucky hops, um, you know, and a, a couple of big hits from guys you couldn't even imagine. Um, you know, you've got to have a lot of things going your way. And to your point about the level, it's hard to, it's hard to win that. It's hard to win that many games in a row anywhere, anyway. you know, and when you think about this age group and where their, you know, where their minds can go to get that to show up every day, that's a great, that's fun challenge. So, you know, and, you know, because, you know, just the emotions and then in game, the emotions, you know, can I get a guy to show up for every page? Just struck out looking with the bases loaded. You're going to take that out to the, you know, defense is going to be one bad golf shot becoming four bad holes, or can he get to the next pitch? Um, so to teach guys how to be present is, is another great challenge, you know, all right, move on. Next pitch, next play, next pitch, next play. I can't think about what just happened, right? So the teaching opportunities and challenges all over the place, which to me makes it even more fun. Um, you know, so, you know, you're not talking about husbands and fathers. You know, you're talking about kids um, 16, 17 years old and with, you know, high expectations and they're on the, you know, social media lists of top this and top that you're fighting a lot of noise with that too. Right. But I, I tell him, I said that really good players can show up for the next pitch and be present. 
but what stops guys from doing that generally is the emotions, man. And, right. and, uh, and, in in the ancient history of things, just, just ripping them, yeah. ripping their heads apart and just making them crazy. Yeah. You know, and I think the emotions, you know, are something that makes you not see the game as well. And you make maybe poor decisions on a field if you're not present or you're emotional about what just happened prior, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a that's a challenge that continues all through the minor leagues and into the major leagues. For sure. What an important skill. We're talking with Dave Turgeon, the head coach of the IMG national team, 25 and 0 this season. An incredible feat at any level of a sport, but especially here. This is a competitive, competitive league, you guys were in, Turge. Those emotions, right? We see them everywhere. And you know, one of the things we're trying to do is get out in front of that and arm players with tools, um, coping tools where they can manage and understand when things aren't going right or how when they're feeling maybe a little off, uh, to be aware of that, but also to know that they're really in control. Turge, you said something early on, you know, first of all, uh, this is a, you're, you, uh, the thing I love about this is this true team effort. Everybody showing up, everybody contributing. All of, all of yeah. us is what you said. All yeah. of, all of us. All of every individual mm -hmm. athlete. And I love that. The emotions, the pull, Working together towards a goal, that room you talked about can be one of the most powerful drivers in just humanity, right? Um, but yes. the process you talked about, I love this, prepare, execute, review. We've got kind of a three-phase yeah. three, three model that we've been using for years and years. It's have an approach, okay? Uh, get your result, execute, get your result, and then, um, you know, respond accordingly, you know, uh, analyze or respond accordingly. So very similar thinking. I absolutely love this, yeah. that little process. And I love that there's a power of three. There's a psychological power of three as well. So prepare, excite response. What a way to help control those emotions. And, and those guys, when they, when they're aware, just being aware of when maybe the emotions are taking over, get back to the plan, man, back to the plan. How powerful is that? It is. And I, and I tell you that the, so when you talk about, you know, the process where as a coach, I think that the, the, the process is, is even more important in terms of how, you know, we're going to prepare to prepare. Right. And so, you know, being creative in our work days and tailoring that to individual needs. And then the, what, what does the team need? What do the individuals need? So there's a lot of work that goes into the preparation of that. And then the execution of that, what's it look like on the field? Well, the training aspect, and you know, I love training and, and, and it has to be, I just, I believe wholeheartedly when you're talking about, you know, emotions, well, how can they handle them in the games? Well, if your training doesn't evoke emotions and frustrations, then you're never having those real teaching opportunities to get them to handle those things in those moments. Those are, those are emotional reps of being able to get ah, to the next, yeah, I like next that. pitch. So, yep. Training is a, is a big part of that. In fact, it's almost like, well, if the first time they experience something is in a game, that's too late. And so how are they going to handle that? It's really hard, you know, and, um, you know, and you're doing it in front of a crowd and, um, you know, you're doing it in the fire. Um, and so that's why I always say that, you know, your training should really prepare these guys, you know, emotionally and, and having to contend with their emotions during the training. And so, you know, for an example, I mean, this sounds silly. You get a guy that gets visibly frustrated and gets lost in himself. And, you know, 
younger players have some me monster in them. That's fine. Right. And so, but when you go just so deep in, I know it's not out and external on, okay, my next round, you know, I'm going to work on staying in the middle of the field. I was just way too pull oriented. I'm just, I can stay in the middle of the field. Instead, they're just being frustrated about what's going down, melting down in a batting practice, which we always make it challenging. Right. Right. Mm. And, um, and so the more they have to contend with their emotions, the better off they're going to be in the fire when they have to deal with them in a real way. And it's going to affect the, you know, the outcome of the game and their performance. Um, you know, and so I really believe, and then, you know, look, a lot of conversations with having guys get to the next pitch and how they can do it. Um, you know, showing them video of themselves and their body language, you know, where do you think your head is right here? You know, do you think it's on the next play? Um, you know, awareness. And so that, that, that also helps them contend with their emotions, um, you know, and getting them to refocus their thoughts, you know, and on the right stuff. Um, so training is a big piece of that, you know, and the classroom stuff with awareness of it is a huge piece of that. Yeah. You know, so when they go take the test, they've been there, they've been there, you know, it's, it's a bad feeling going in for the, the algebra test and not having looked at the algebra for a couple of weeks been there <laughs> been there too man yeah. damn it. i, I know i know that ugly empty hopeless feeling it's like it's like rolling the dice on the table turge so much feeling yeah so much good stuff here hey i love the concept of emotional reps listen to me you know sport is this big macho area of of human you know performance um we don't talk about emotions in that side too openly I absolutely love the concept of emotional reps. We just don't do it. Let me ask you this, and I'm not going to hold you to this, and you don't even have to give me a number. You just a general sense. If you were to look at a program that's just purely technically and tactically orientated, execute, practice, mechanics, boom, 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 and then you have a program that's technically, tactically oriented with a beautiful um, um, uh, 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 joining of the emotional side and the awareness side, how much difference does that make? Uh, it's immeasurable. Like how much difference yeah, does that you, make? It's, it's really hard to quantify, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. Um, perfect example is, you know, how Tim Corbin runs his program at Vandy, ton of classroom time, ton of self-awareness, culture building, uh, a ton of time, getting their head right before they hit the practice field. So they're preparing to prepare before a practice. And so, uh, you know, Corbs is obviously his body of work speaks for itself. Right. And it's a tremendous culture and his guys are so mentally tough and, you know, you know, you want to define mental toughness, you know, it's, it's guys that, you know, obviously can perform in, in pressure and the fire, but they, they can get punched in the mouth and they keep coming at you and getting to the next pitch. His program, I mean, just love watching his team play, yeah. you know, and Eric Backage, who is a disciple and worked with uh, Corbs at Clemson and then at Vanderbilt. And he took that model and, you know, I'm sure he does it in his own style. They were talking about Clemson who was, you know, they had a tough loss to end the year, but had an amazing season. He flipped the program culture 
And, you know, the announcer was talking about how before the first game, they were all headed up to the classroom. Well, the classroom session was about getting their heads in the spot to go out and kick someone's butt, right? And it wasn't like, yeah, we got to go kick their butt. It was more about, you know, probably, and I've, I've been present for some of these and with Corbs is getting their, getting themselves in a place to understand what, how to, how to do that. Right. Where do they have to be mentally? Right. Yeah. And, and so it, it's, it, it's emotional control and knowing what you're doing, being a baseball player with a, with an emotional control is incredible when you see it. And, you know, and then you see other teams that are less disciplined, super talented, less disciplined, um, emotionally out of control. And they end up, you know, the, that the, the, those emotional spikes are also draining. Um, but just redirecting the energy where it needs to be. At last I checked, I mean, I can't sit there as a player. I, I you know, obviously a little different era, but for me, I, I couldn't have my pom-poms on and watch and gather Intel to, you know, so I could know how to beat the other team when I had the opportunity to do that. If I was emotionally out of control and this, this, this misdirected energy thing. Right. Right. And so getting back to culture, you want to talk about dugout culture, you know, what, what are you doing in your, in your dugout? I mean, you've seen, there's some crazy dugouts going on in baseball <laughs> right now. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've seen it. And, yeah. and so, Part of that is, you know, obviously knowing how to act and, and uh, there's a respect factor of respecting the game and respecting your opponent is very big, you know, and, and to show them what it looks like. Um, but the other piece of the dugout culture is teaching them how to watch the game um, because you, the game is telling you what you need to know if you're watching. And if you don't know what you're looking at, you know, and it's giving them some of, you know, pitchers, I give them a little focus hitters. I give them a little focus on the pitcher, uh, you know, um, base runners, you know, we, we talk about a focus, this guy is giving a tell on the map, teaching them what, how to watch. And, and it's amazing when you show guys how to watch all of a sudden they're locked in on the things they're supposed to be locked in on. And the energy is intense in the dugout. It's just not, this crazy outward like you know firing machine gun like this instead they're you know they're pointing their gun and specifically shooting a target you know mm. it's a very specific intensity love that so yeah. dugout cultures is a big piece of the learning process as well no and it's something that's overlooked especially at that level man you are setting these guys up for success and it goes beyond sport right i mean that is just respect of the game respect of the opponent but also man yeah fine-tuning and controlling your efforts and your, your energy. Wow, man, that is powerful stuff. Dave, a couple things here I got to get to. And again, I'm, I'm looking over here. I'm, I've got like notes, man. <laughs> I'm taking notes, brother. I got some notes. So, so, so not to get distracting over here, but I've got some things I want to get to here. Hey, listen, so um, one of the words you mentioned earlier, uh, and I, you know, you hear, you hear about this, when you look at some of the most successful cultures in sport, you know, in basketball, you might look at Popovich and, you know, that organization. One of the things they talked about openly was caring for their players. You don't hear yeah. that that often, right? You hear about process and discipline and aggressiveness and do, 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 do. But you don't hear this idea of caring that often. And you mentioned a couple of things there. You mentioned it earlier in the conversation 
but you mentioned it again. Um, and I think there's a context here that we need to discuss, but because you, you, you need to be caring, but you have to care about the right stuff, right? At the right time. And right. that's kind of that focusing of emotions and stuff. And that's an incredibly important conversation, especially for a young player. I think so when you talk about so the the care thing is all that that's that's interwoven through throughout this whole thing right um you mentioned something about players being coachable and I hear coaches say that and I've I've said it a hundred times thousand times before I even grasped I believe everyone's coachable you just have to figure out how right, right. love it and so you you go into a room and say, hey, you you if you can't receive coaching, then you you can't improve because you're never getting an, or accepting feedback. Well, the reality of it is is that you're talking about if you have a room of twenty five guys, you have twenty different twenty five different personalities. Some of them are wired like you are, and you, and they speak your language. It's easy. I love coaching this guy; he's coachable. This other guy doesn't receive coaching. Well, you you get the wrong soundtrack, uh. <laughs> and so when you connect with the dude. And a personal level, it might be over hockey. It might be over a personal family tragedy. You know your you know your guy personally, and and once once you're in there, you know this guy. You know, uh, you know I know this this kid. He he really likes to do it uh, before practice, one on one, alone with no one else around. He gets very self conscious with people. And I know, and, and so this other guy, he, you know, I do it during BP, you know, in a casual conversation because he doesn't feel like he's being called into the principal's office, you know. With this guy, I can just, I can, I can, I can go, hey man, let's go, let's let's clean that up. Your you approach, let's go, refocus, reset it. You good? Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. The way we grow up, right? You yeah. still have those guys, yeah. I, you know. We we have them all, but the reality is, they're they're kids. And as you go up, and, and pro ball was no different. You you have to connect on their personal level, not yours, and 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 where they are, where are they, where are they at in their process, and, and that's the key, you know. And not just in their their baseball process, their life process. This kid has no life dirt in his cleats. He doesn't even understand what you're talking about about being emotionally present. Right. And so so how do we get them there? Well, we got to start from ground zero. But first, we got to connect. And so um, in this day and age, in 23, with all the tech, I use it all the time. Send them a personal, personal video of something about what we talked about with him yesterday. But it's being done by a major leaguer. Makes them feel unbelievable. But also, the teaching aspect of it, message received. You know, and the guy shows up next day, you know, he's, he's ready to go. He's going to work on his thing, but it's just, it's not, it's not all conversations either. You know, it's showing them stuff. I pers and so how they receive it, man, this guy's like researching videos for me. You know, that's pretty good. You know, he must really care. I don't know. Yeah. And, and uh, maybe, and, and so the, the, it's 24 seven, it's a, you're constantly communicating with them, you know? How'd that chemistry cast go today? Did you did you nail it? You know, well, God, this guy's checking on my academics too. I mean, man, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I talked to Coach Townsley. Uh, he said you did a really good job in the weight room yesterday, particularly on this. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Your your uh, force plate numbers are coming through the roof because of the work you're putting in. 
He's checking on my weight room stuff. You know, just it's it's a constant, constant thing. And I believe that every player is coachable in in their way. You have to figure out what is that way. Yeah, that's the work. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's the work, Turj, as a coach, right? As a coach, mentor, and all of that important stuff. I love this, you know, the idea of using the tech. Now, now I see you coaching me, mister, because I've gotten some of those videos. And they're powerful. They really do. Like, I take the time to watch every one you send me, and they get me yeah. thinking, man. So I, I understand what you're saying there, and I love that stuff. So I want you to know I really do appreciate that. Well, part of that, too, is I know you have a passion to learn. Or it might be a conversation we had on a topic, and and so it's pertinent to this stuff. And it's just I, I'm I'm wired that way too. It's like yeah, you know, deep in the knowledge, and then you know, then there's this this synergy between us and sharing information and growing. It's the same with the players. You know, I do it with my coaches. Um, I do it with I do it with all my close inner circle. You know, and and it's an awesome thing. Yeah, learning. Yeah, it is awesome. It is. It truly is. And just sharing of information, the different perspectives. And, you know, you hear from somebody else who might see something a little differently. That just makes me yeah. better. When I can appreciate yeah. that perspective, even the perspective of yeah. a player or an athlete I'm working with, it makes me a little better if I really embrace that, I feel. I've had conversations with you about some certain topics where you've given me feedback and, and experience on a topic and then sent me something and it may, and so my my original thoughts are, am I crazy? You know, and then and then you you know your thoughts either affirm or change or deepen, you know, what I was thinking. And you know, we're all just trying to get closer to the truth. I mean, we're not there. I don't think we get there. I don't right. think I, I don't think it's destination. I think it's a I think it's a journey, and I don't think it's a destination. That is awesome. But keep yeah, trying to right. get closer to it, right? Closer to the truth. So uh, that being said, the perfect segue for one last thing I really want to address with you as a coach and not necessarily as a baseball coach, but early on, you talked about, you know, you guys have batting practice, but you make batting practice challenging. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about a couple of things. And there was a great article written about you and the team um, that I really, really appreciated. And one of the things you mentioned in there is, uh, I think the reporter asked you, so, hey, Dave, are you calling the pitches from a calling? He said, no, I, I never call it. I never call a pitch. How can the players learn how to play the game if I'm calling the pitches? Right. Dave, I love that, man. I've always loved that. And one of the biggest crimes I think I see in baseball right now is the catcher looking over on every pitch and the coach giving them the call. I hate it. I wish it would be outlawed. There's a rule change that needs to happen. That should be it because once these guys leave that little nest – they have no idea what's going on. So I really, really appreciate right. that. And I love the comment you made. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people picked up on it, but you make batting practice challenging because boy, oh boy, it's easy to go through the motions, but if you're going to exact change, if you're going to create change and improvement, you better be in that kind of an environment. So uh, you, that was a lot, but yeah, we, try to create baseball players, which in my opinion is, is an athlete that is a problem solver in, in, in a really fast environment. And, you know, you do that through preparation and teaching, but you're teaching them and then they, they learn to trust their eyes. And, and when you're, when you're not micromanaging either a the pitch calling or 
be the positioning on every single pitch, then they're forced to think. And whether it's right or wrong, they're thinking, right? And so go go back to the, the pitch calling. There's nothing we do the positioning, right? So I have uh, certain you know uh, positioning versus a right versus a left, certain positionings, and we train off of our positioning. But I make it clear to them that these are just starting points, fellas, because no one knows better than you what's going on between hitter and batter. I have a terrible angle. You're reading swings. You know what's happening on the mound. You know where his pitches are going in, out, up, down. He's locating or not. Right. And so you guys have to understand and trust what you're seeing. And it's awesome to watch. You know, my shortstop Stone Russell, baseball player, right? I mean, he's unbelievable. I had he was a, a senior and and took control of my infield positioning. And, you know, switching up coverages on reading swings, um, stuff that I think is really important in creating baseball players, because if, if, if you remove that from them and they're just looking in, where do you want me? They're not watching anymore. And now they're just, okay, I hope he, you know, hits it here, ready, to, ready for the next play. Right. But they're not watching the game. Um, and that's the fun of it. <laughs> I mean, Playing the game, that, that's the game, right? And so pitch calling, right? And so I had a I had a, a you know, I had a starting guy and I had a backup guy. They're both very good. I was I was very fortunate. I had two really good catchers. And, you know, I said, fellas, here, you know, we give them a basic plan, you know, and you know, hey, we won't want to let this guy beat us. These these guys run, you know, whatever. You know, if you want, we'll control the running game. Just go ahead, run the game. And so when it gets sideways with the pitch calling, those are teaching moments, right? Yes. And so they also have the option of, you know, when the game gets real fast and you don't know what the heck to throw down, just give us a peek. We got you covered right here. Try that one. Slow it down for them. And you come back in the dugout, and this is why we call that pitch, right? Who's hitting the scoreboard inning? Yeah. Stuff. It's just, it's teaching the game and, and, but that's the fun, man. I mean, they're 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 playing the game now instead of just following directions. And I just feel like it's their game. It's not mine. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to let them play the game that I love. Yeah, I, I totally appreciate that, uh, Turge. You know, um, just just watching the players, and I've been around teams where the coach calls literally every pitch, and I don't really think the players come off that field understanding the consequences, both in terms of success and failures for what they just did because they didn't make the decision. That decision-making process on setting a hitter up as a pitcher, setting a hitter up and then throwing in that off-speed just at the right time because you feel that's the pitch, and maybe giving up a home run going, that was not a good call. <laughs> that's part of the learning or process. Maybe it was poorly located. Right, or, yeah, right? And that's a learning so, yeah, thing, so... Just there's a, there's an overemphasis on, uh, we used to call it, uh, pitch calling, uh, or, you know, changing speeds. Now they call it sequencing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so pitching is okay. It, Crush, you're on the mound. We got to figure out how to get this lineup out with your weapons, not this other guy's weapons. So it's a, we got a little different thing here. I mean, we got little different weapons in, and all that stuff. And this is how we're going to navigate through the lineup. And uh, with your stuff, this is how you do it. 
and, and it's a constant learning process. And oh yeah, that might be different next time because you don't have your slider, you got your change up, your fastball's not as firm. So you're gonna have to change your plan and in mid mid game because I just don't have my slider today. I'm gonna pitch off my change up. But the adjustability of with your weapons, so it's it's a constant thing. It's not just in the moment either, you know what I mean? And so learning to have them understand that you go out with kind of different weapons every time too. You feel differently, your physicality, your for some reason you don't have the good fastball today. Well, how are you going to get them out now? And navigate through that. And then having catchers understand that. It's the game. It's a beautiful game and and it's you know the more you play it the more it becomes chess and uh that's the fun of it. And and I just don't believe in removing that from the players and having them stop the learning. Yeah. I mean, if you have the answers to the test and you just you, your your creativity goes away and your vision of what you're seeing, you don't even trust it. You don't even know what you're seeing. I, I think that our guys played very free. Um, it wasn't mistake free. Uh, there were tons of teaching opportunities. And you walk alongside and you and you, and you coach them up. That's that. And, and, and that's, thing, and that's you know, the thing. It's, it's, it's their game. It's a great game. I, I just let them play it. Yeah. I've been in a lucky spot in my career to meet guys like you and work with you and, you know, help uh, develop, you know, programs all around the world. And I've also been lucky to work in other sports. And one of the cool things that I find is the sport analogies. You hear basketball guys talking about baseball analogies or football analogies and vice versa, vice versa. This is a conversation for sport, not just baseball. Yeah. And that's why, Turge, I just appreciate Amen. you so much, man. Honest to goodness. No, I, it's two-way street crush. It's such a – there's such transfer to the things we're talking about, the concepts we're talking about. And it transfers to sport. It also transfers to to other things. Yeah. You know, it transfers Life. to the corporate world. There's a lot of – I mean, I know – some consultants, some management um, consultants that, you know, who have poured into me about leadership and different things. And he goes around talking to Fortune 500 companies about teamwork. What is synergy? What is teamwork? What does that look like in the workplace? Because many of these people never really been on a team and they don't understand, you know, how to work for the guy on your left and the guy on your right. And, and, um, you know, going outside your lane and, and helping, you know, helping others and, and just all of that, all of that stuff transfers, man, that's just a sport. Um, and so I would hire if all things equal, if I got a guy who went to a division one school and played a division one sport successful or not, he went through the grind of all of that thing and the lessons he's taken, he he is he's a step ahead of the next guy, you know. All things equal, because right. he's got these he's got these things, man. He's got these skills that, you know, they're they're in there, you know, they're ingrained in him, you know. Um, sacrifice, you know, self discipline, uh, how to work, you know, just different things. So I, I I I love it, and it's all transferable to me. I agree. Turge notes. And notes and notes. I love it. <laughs> I love Good it. Stuff, hey, man. thank you so much for this today. Dave Turgeon, the uh, head coach for the IMG national team in Florida. Really, really appreciate it. Every time you're on the show, just just great conversations, Turgeon. This is uh, no exception here. Just absolutely beautiful stuff. Much appreciated. And congratulations again, 25-0. and 0. Woo. Incredible. 
uh, it's a tribute to that whole room and and the staff and and everyone, including the you know, we've got 35 total coaches at IMG that coach a lot of different teams, um, and and they were all they are all pulling on the the rope together too, man. And and I I have nothing but love and respect for my teammates that that you know helped us as well. So it was awesome. Yeah, great stuff, Turge. Thanks so much for this. Thanks, Crush. Right, there you go. Look, I don't know about you, but I have pages and pages of notes from that discussion with Dave. What a great, great conversation. In my humble opinion, we need more of this everywhere in sport. There are so many takeaways here. You know, going 25 and 0 anytime in sport is absolutely crazy. And it's not like these guys were playing above their league or out of their league. They weren't playing down, if you guys get what I'm saying. They were competing in one of the toughest leagues out there at this level of the game. It's an incredible feat. And I think after hearing Dave talk, we can all appreciate how that happened. There are so many things I liked here. Like when Dave said, you know, looking at going undefeated. Okay, well, you know, that's a lofty goal. What's it going to take? What is that going to look like? Every day in this schedule, and it's a tough, grueling schedule, Dave said. It's 25 game sevens, you know? And there is, for me personally, I don't care what sport it is, there is nothing like a game seven in professional sport. Heck, in any sport, at any level of sport. Getting to a game seven where it's all online, can you imagine if the goal and objective is to keep that nice, clean record, every single day, it's on the line. You have to show up and play your game. I also like the idea of the whole team approach. Like Dave said, right from the get-go, this was a true team effort. The coaches, the trainers, the strength and conditioning coaches, and the players themselves. It takes everyone. Dave's conversation with his team at the start of the season about going undefeated as a goal, I thought that was very, very interesting. You know, I don't like setting up winning or losing as a goal because there's just way too many things out of your control. But the players brought it up. So I love how Dave and the coaching staff address this. Well, you know, going undefeated, guys, that's a real tough, aggressive task. But listen, anything's possible. If that's going to be our goal and objective here, What's that going to look like? Laying that out and helping everybody in the room understand, okay, look, let's take a shot. Why not? Because anything is possible. But if we're going to try to do this, let's have a clear understanding of what that's going to look like and what it's truly going to take. And then he dropped the bomb for me. And I have this circled in my notes. I don't know about you, but he said, okay, you know, um, it's going to take all of all of us. And I think I might have heard that before, but I've never really used it in a powerful context like this. It's going to take all of all of us to even attempt this thing. And you ride that wave right into building your process. And I like their three-step approach. Prepare, execute, and then review. Very similar to our performance model of approach, result, response. Very, very similar. And then one other thing that I really liked out of this conversation was all of the classroom stuff, actually taking time off the field, away from the technical, tactical side of the game to prepare the athletes for that. Where does this happen? And this is what I'm talking about. This is what needs to be happening everywhere. 
What does a good teammate look like? Is something Dave said. Um, what does wrong look like? What does good look like? What does doing it right look like? What does winning look like? What does losing look like? And how do you deal with it? All of these things are talked about before they even get into the minutia of developing and playing the game. Smart. So, so smart. Then the concept of just you know, winning every day, good, bad, or ugly, win every day, respect the rep. And then the idea of caring, talking about caring and those, those emotional reps that Dave talked about. Yes, man, you got your reps in the batting cage. You got your reps on the mound. You got your ground balls. You got your reps in the weight room. You got your reps, 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 but also paying attention to the emotional reps, man. How does that feel? How do you deal with it? That's maybe the biggest part of sport. When you look at those pro guys on TV, you know, one thing they have mastered is controlling their emotions. And when you see those motions get away from them, good, bad, or ugly, man, it can quickly come off the rails, can't it? So learning that, talking about that, and coaching that at the developmental levels, man, that serves you everywhere in life. And then the concept that everyone is coachable. You just have to figure out how to connect and help that person learn. Oh man, that is what it's all about. All of this stuff and so much more. What a great, great conversation. You know, I wish some of the Olympic and professional athletes I've worked with over the years had this kind of an environment coming up through the system. How much better could they have been by the time they got to me or got to us? Man, look, I care about these people so much, you have no idea. And at the time, they trust me with their careers and their development. It's one of the greatest honors I could ever imagine. And we work hard and we work smart to help each and every one of them be their best every single day. But I can't help but think, what if sometimes? I mean, I can't tell you how many times one of my athletes has said to me, Crusher, imagine if I'd learned this, man, when I was like 15 or 16 years old. Can you imagine how good I've been? Or they'd say, how is it possible? I've never learned this stuff before. And truthfully, we're not working magic. There's no secrets. I don't know any secrets. But one of the things I feel we do really well is collaborating with the athlete to help them get better. And honestly, some of the drills and exercises we've come up with over the years, we conjured up purely out of necessity. Sometimes the player is involved. How can we make this happen? Well, there might not even be a drill to make that happen. Let's create one. And we've done that before. I could show them to you. I could show you probably 12, 15 drills that we just invented on the spot because we needed something to happen to help an athlete get better. And so I'm not saying it's all magic and we have all these secrets, but I can't tell you how many times I've worked with world-class Olympic or professional athletes who can't do something fundamental. Oh man. And that, and, and not just on the physical side, also on the mental and emotional side, you know, oh boy, oh boy, all those years with Harvey Dorfman, Harvey Dorfman, of course, if you're not familiar with Harvey, he was a pioneer in the mental performance side of the game. You could read his books, and I'm going to encourage you to read his books. You can also go back and hear uh, our episodes with Harvey. He was on the show uh, before he passed away a number of times. And then I also did a tribute show that uh, really 
captured some of the big messages he was trying to share with athletes and coaches just to help people perform better. And not just in sport, in life in general. If we had gotten to some of these athletes earlier, how much more prepared would they be for the stress of sport, for the anxiety of sport? But also, how much better would they be prepared to handle and plan how they're going to attack their future and push their performance forward? Nobody does it alone. Athletes, remember this. Nobody does it alone. Coaches, nobody does it alone. Parents, nobody does it alone. Listen to Dave, that team approach. Oh man, I just simply love this stuff. And I can tell you, some of these athletes, had they gotten this when they were 12, 13, 14 years of age, they could have been so much better at the highest levels of game. That's why you always hear me say, I don't think we're seeing the best performances on TV or at the Olympics. There are some, don't get me wrong. There's some incredibly special things going on, but I think the level of human performance still has a lot of room to grow. And where is that going to happen? I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen at the professional levels. What we get there are basically the survivors of this system that we've put together that really isn't that good. And that is why we're trying to create this platform for you called Creating Coachable Players. Whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, or whether you're an athlete, it is a long game. And it's a long game that we just haven't played well. At least I'm hoping up till now. And with that, a final thought here. None of us know how good an athlete can become. The only true way to find out is to go through the process. And that process is a long game. It has to start early in development and it has to build throughout the entire career path of the athlete. That's where we're going to make a difference in athlete development and sport performance. If you have a plan and know what you're doing, frankly, it's just not that complicated when you think like an athlete. I'm Jeff Kershell. I'd like to thank Dave Turgeon for joining us today. An incredible conversation. I also want to thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, we love them all. Go to jeffcarshell.com to connect. I'd love to hear from you. The Crush Performance Podcast is recorded in the Crush Studios. Our distribution partner, Radio Influence Digital Media. You can go to radioinfluence.com to see all of the great programming they provide. Our website and educational material is produced and directed by Debbie Kershell, Miss Crusher. Our theme music, graphics, and video design by Noah Alexin of Nolexin Visual and Sound. This is season 18 of Crush Performance. To get the Crush archives and to go back and hear our episode with Dr. Alex Roberts about coaching bias or to hear all of our incredible conversations with Harvey Dorfman, go to jeffcrushell.com and follow the links. You can also follow me on social media. Just search out Crush Performance. This episode will be the very first episode of the Crush Performance video series coming very, very soon on the Crush Performance YouTube channel. Stay tuned for that. We'll have a bunch of extra things when we add on the video. I'm looking forward to it. That's a wrap here. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance.